Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. I want to let you know we are sort of in the middle of a message series called This Is Us. And we're looking at the joys, uh, the complexities, and the struggles that we have uh, with family. I uh, want to welcome those of you uh, joining us online uh, as well, which is sort of a great thing. In the last year, that has gone from a couple hundred of you to a couple thousand of you every weekend. And uh, we, we are one church in multiple locations uh, in Seattle and the east side, but also online as well. Was, I was thinking about this topic, and especially what I'm going to talk about today, I was thinking of, of things that uh, can be, we can get used to that maybe we shouldn't have gotten used to. Uh, I was thinking about high school for me. Uh, I grew up really, uh, not to be snobby, I grew up in really the cultural center of the Pacific Northwest, Tacoma. And <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, as I grew up in Tacoma, I had this uh, little VW bug. Got it for $800, and even back then, that was not a lot of money. And uh, I got this car, it had some problems with it. One, it didn't have any seat belts. Uh, you didn't have to have seat belts back then, so that wasn't a big deal. Uh, I also, one of the doors broke. Uh, and it was the door that I would get in, the driver's side door. And so do you know how I fixed that? It, don't be too responsive. The, uh, yeah, I, I fixed that by just going in the passenger side door. And I would do that, and I, I just, I, I'd have friends, I'd give them a ride, and they'd say, hey, uh, yeah, I want to, I'd say, no, you can't get in, I need to get in first. And it just, it didn't seem weird to me anymore but it seemed weird uh, to everybody else. And then I was thinking about so many things that are, can be like that in our lives. Uh, at our house, a uh, screen door, uh, and we have a screen door, and the screen door has a rip in it. How many of you have ever had a screen door with a rip in it? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know how you fixed yours, but how I fixed mine is I just renamed it. I just said it's our new doggy door. And that's, uh, so the dog goes in and out, and uh, it didn't seem weird until friends come over that I have this broken door, and they're looking at me, and like, what's the matter? And I'm like, no, no, it, it works out okay. And, and I was thinking from a physical perspective, I uh, uh, hurt myself at the gym years back, and I hurt my shoulder and when I was lifting weights, and then it got really bad, I re-injured it, and, and Finally, I had some workarounds. I just, uh, one of those was not going to the gym much anymore. And then I finally went to a doctor, and he was asking, hey, do you have any injuries? And I'm like, well, there's one that's way back, uh, but you probably can't do anything about it. And so uh, he said, oh, no, I think we can fix it. And he did these laser treatments and all of that. And this injury that I had had for 10 years, all of a sudden, was better. And I just didn't think 
that it actually could be fixed. And I was thinking about that from not only a, uh, a physical basis, something like a car or a screen door or, or an arm, but from a relational basis, are there things that we've gotten used to uh, that are really fractured and broken that maybe we were never supposed to get used to in the first place? Now, uh, I, I shared this uh, story in the past, uh, but it's so pertinent for today. I was reminded of a couple, and this uh, couple uh, came to the church for counseling. Now, I don't usually do most of the counseling uh, at the church, but the, the care pastor there was out. And uh, so I said, sure, I'll, I'll take the, uh, the appointment. And I asked them just normal questions. I didn't really know who they were. And I said, hey, do you go to the church? And they said, no, we really don't go to the church. Uh, but our marriage is in trouble, and they described it, and they have, uh, they've both been married before and blended family, and the kids weren't getting along, and, and, they, it was, and I said, well, how in the world did you find out about the church? They said, well, uh, we really don't have steady jobs, and so what we do around every uh, day around 3 o'clock, we have our favorite bar, and so we go to the bar, we were sitting in the bar, and then we were drinking, and then when we start drink, we get, we fight, and we were drinking and fighting and drinking and fighting, and I thought, I may be able to see the problem here. And <laughs> so uh, they, they, were, they said, so we, we were drinking and fighting, drinking and fighting, and someone from down the bar said, do you know what you need? You need to go to Pastor Ben's church. And I just thank God that Carlos was there that day. The, uh, <laughs> the, it, it actually wasn't Carlos. It was, it was actually before I got here when I was pastoring down in San Diego. And, and so, so they, they said, uh, they laid out their thing and said, what should we do? And they were describing their, their family. It was so messed up. And I said, to be honest with you, in my experience, couples with your level of problems, there's usually no hope for you whatsoever. I didn't say I'm a good pastor, did I? Uh, and then I, 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 said, I literally did say that. I said, I said but there, there's maybe one chance. Is if you both completely and totally without equivocation or hesitation said, I'm going to not only give my life to Jesus Christ and allow him to work, but follow for what he says for how to live my life, there might be some shot that God would put this thing together again. And I'll tell you what, I've heard stories over the years uh, from families. I'd never heard any uh, story. And I hear that because people, it's sort of funny when people call me and they're like, hey, uh, you know, I, I'd like to have an appointment with you. It's usually not, hey, I just won the lottery and I'm wondering about this tithing thing. That never happens. Uh, it's usually, hey, I'm in a problem, I have a problem. And I've never heard a problem as bad as theirs. And uh, the funny thing is, is they did. And they started taking advantage of every resource and working on their relationship. And before I came up here on my very last Sunday, this is a big church where about five, 6,000 people a weekend, is they were sitting in the front row, which, by the way, you know you're godly if you sit in the front row, right? And, uh, <laughs> or you've never been to church before, one of the two. Uh, so they, they were sitting in the front row, and they had just gotten through serving the service before, and they were holding hands, and I'd seen their kids transformed, 
And I thought only God could do something like that. Only God could take the most fractured relationships and put them back together. So I want to start with a, a verse, and this verse is important theologically. We're going to go through so much scripture actually today, I couldn't even put it all uh, in the outline. And it speaks to the primary message of the scriptures. Now, there is a lot of important things. So, so we believe the Bible, and we don't worship it, but we believe that the Bible really speaks God's truth to us. And there are some important aspects of it, things that are important, but not, not the, the primary message. You know how there's important things? Uh, sorry for your, like you Star Trek fans. Any Star Trek fans? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, we know. I always see them in the tech booth. I know you're going to be there. And the, yeah, I know. The, uh, we, you know. There's the prime directive, right? It's that, that thing that supersedes everything. So, for example, in Scripture, it talks about holiness and righteousness, the fact that we're supposed to live lives that are uh, right before God and other people. That is an important message. We believe that, but that's not the primary one. When it talks about truth, truth is a big deal. If you've been around here, we did a whole multi-week series really wrestling with some truths that are sometimes hard to understand or hard to receive. We think that is important, but it's not the primary thing. Justice, we believe in justice. Last summer, we gave away our, uh, we always do that, our summer t-shirts. I never know what they're going to be, but it was based on a series I did, Micah 6-8, where it talks about justice before God, because God is a God of justice, and that is important, but please don't let that be primary. The primary message of the Bible is one of redemption, where God takes Things that are broken, things that we never thought could be fixed again, and he makes them whole. And with that context, let's look at our first verse, Psalm 127.1, where it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. So as we look at that verse, I want you to go right to the next point. As we consider what is it, and this is our first fill-in, what does it take for a fractured family to come back together? And uh, by the way, as I say that, I want you to think of a relationship that maybe has been, maybe it's been so broken you don't even realize it's broken anymore. That you've just sort of given up on it. Uh, it could be a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a spouse. And think about that relationship and think about what would happen if we allowed God some access. And here's where it begins. What does it take for a family to reconnect? It takes heart work. Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So what does that look like for you and me? What does it look like if we were going to step into that? Now, I say that there's a caveat here. If you say, hey, you know, I'm thinking of my first, uh, my first husband or first wife, and we're divorced, and, and, you know, there's a lot of water under the bridge. I'm not saying that that relationship's going to come together, or, or maybe it really shouldn't anyway. Uh, time passes, you move on. I'm talking about the relationships that you have right now. And what would it take? 
uh, how do we restore a fractured family? The first uh, aspect of this is to refuse to become consumed by the past. Uh, in relationships, uh, have you ever been in a relationship with someone who gets hysterical? Yeah, you've been that. Like, yeah, yeah. Don't look at that person. That would be a bad idea right now. And I think worse than a hysterical person is a historical person. You know what I'm talking about? They have a list. And every time it's like, oh, yeah, I remember what you did back in 1983. And, uh, but look at what the Bible says. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. That, that if I'm going to be loving, I'm not going to hold this again. I'm not going to keep the list. Now, for those of you who are new to the Bible and all of that, the Bible was written primarily by Jewish authors, and in that, uh, there, there would be the negative command, but also assumed the positive corollary. And so, when it's saying we're not only keeping no record of wrongs, is that we're releasing that, and we're trying to remember some of the things that were right as well. Second is decide you want restoration. Now, I, I know this sounds uh, a little bit uh, odd. What do you mean, decide if I want restoration? Because sometimes we can hold on to a hurt, and that becomes our identity. Sometimes we say, you know, I'd rather uh, feel this pain, I'd rather get an identity even as a victim, than to move past it. And how do we move past it? James uh, 5.16, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why don't you read this out loud with me together? So that you may be healed. Okay, I, evidently I didn't get the together thing with you. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I'm the only thing standing between you and lunch at this point. The, uh, <laughs> okay, R ready, set, so that you may be healed. So, if I want to be healed… If I want to be healed, if I want to be whole, if I don't want to feel this pain anymore, then what do I need to do? I need to pray for that person who actually hurt me. And not the, you know, the prayer, God, strike them down. No, that's not the prayer. Uh, we don't do those uh, uh, kind of prayers. I think it was, uh, it was just uh, an aside. Ronald Reagan always uh, quoted an old Irish prayer, and he said, God, I pray for my enemies that you would turn their hearts so I would know them by their love. And if you don't turn their hearts, turn their ankles so I'll know them by the way they walk. <laughs> Some of you are saying, now that's a prayer I could pray. <laughs> would, would you do something so counterintuitive but would be essential to your healing, essential for you having positive relationships moving forward? And, and I have heard your stories I know some of the things are unconscionable, what others have done to you. But this is about your healing. We're told, bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has an, a grievance against someone, and then how are we supposed to forgive? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ken Hart, who's a uh, professor of psychology, uh, studied uh, recovering alcoholics. In this study, it was uh, a, a smaller study. I think it was about 100 uh, people. And uh, these individuals had one thing they were in common. 
they were angry with someone. Teaching forgiveness heartbound is one of the best ways to help people get out of the cycle of relapse. One person who had been part of his program said this, forgiveness is more for yourself than for the person you're forgiving. For me to forgive sets me free. Isn't it about time, isn't it? You know, if you've been walking around with hurt, I know this is a heavy subject today, and, and you know, I'll, I'll get back to the junior high jokes next week. Don't worry, we'll, we'll have a lot of fun. But I'm just tired of people missing the life that Jesus has for them. And, and so how do I do that? This isn't in your notes. You can write it at the side uh, if you want to. Is you've got to identify the who. who who's, who's a person? Who is, who's that person? And then identify the what. What has been done? And then you cancel the debt. By, by the way, this doesn't make any sense. If you were going to take out a list and say pros and cons, you, you'd go, cons, well, they haven't said they're sorry. I believe they might do it again if they get the chance. They don't deserve it. They've heard other people. And, and it doesn't make sense from that perspective, except the perspective if I want to be healed and if I want to forgive just as Jesus forgave me. And so I canceled the debt. And really practically, uh, I know it's going to be hard because they may not receive it well. It's just tell them. And just say, hey, I know a lot of things went, maybe went wrong in our, our, our marriage. And we're going to talk about owning our own part. That's part of it. But just say, I don't even know if you, you feel like you need to be forgiven, but I just want to let you know that I do that. And maybe it's someone who's no longer in your life anymore, uh, and it just wouldn't be appropriate. But go through that exercise. You can even, uh, I've shared this before, you can even like bring out a chair, and it's like you're talking to them, and say, I forgive you. Last time I taught that, a lady came up to me after the service and said, that's great. Can I burn the chair afterwards? <laughs> I said, I don't know if you totally got this thing down yet. That leads to number three, own all that you can. Own what you can. What, what is a part of the story that you can own? It says, Galatians 6.5, for we each are responsible for our own conduct. Owning emotions is one of the great signs of maturity. I don't know about you, is that, uh, but for me, I spent much of my life excusing instead of owning. What I found is when I own my own behavior, when I own my own emotions, is that it doesn't have the same power that it used to have. When, when I failed, when I've hurt someone, I honestly, do you know what the biggest sign of maturity has been for me as a Christ follower? Is I'm just a quicker repenter than I used to be. I don't hold on to it. And part of this is number four is to create a new script. If you've been in any relationship, you have a script. There's a script, and sometimes that can be a positive one. Oftentimes, there's some negative. The script, you never, you haven't, you should. You should not should on people, <laughs> you know. It's, we, we have these scripts that we say over and over again. They're not helpful. 
And by the way, when you get together with family, extended family, you do that maybe the summer or Thanksgiving or Christmas, I'm convinced everyone becomes 11 years old again. You do. You become that same person. And you're like, he's such a spoiled brat. He's 58. He can't be a spoiled brat anymore. Well, dad is just such a hothead. And he hasn't been that way for a decade. Or she's such, such a wild child, such a prodigal. And she's been sober for six years. But oftentimes, we trap people with our labels, and instead of recognizing who they become, and even more so, who God is creating them to be, how God's working in their life, and God wants to do the same thing in your life. But if you hold everyone else back, the fact is you're going to hold yourself back in the process as well. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says, love builds up. And so the question is, how am I building up the people around me? Often we think about, well, how how are people doing that for me? And the question is, is what am I doing? Galatians 6, 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So I I say this, and I, I knew I would have the conversations I've had this weekend. So I've gone through, this is our fourth service here in a Redmond campus for this weekend. And, and I've had the conversations, even after I said this last part, well, you don't know my family. And the truth is, I don't know your family. I don't know the stuff you've gone through. But I do know God's plan for you. And so let me give you four reasons why I believe every family is worth fighting for. And again, I'm not talking about a marriage that's way in the rearview mirror. But I'm talking about right now. One is because your family will always be your family. Your dad will always be your dad. Your mom will always be your mom. Your brother will always be your brother. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us uh, that God sets the lonely in families. Also, it's the only way you can experience real peace. If you want peace, then you're going to have to do that difficult uh, work. It, it says in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know why it says that? Because sometimes it's not possible. But as much as it depends on me, I'm not going to pre-make that decision for other people. Reason number three is humility is always better than Regret. There are 150 verses in the Bible about pride and humility. Uh, I can summarize all of them for you. Pride bad, humility good. That's what it is. Pride, pride says, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to look dumb, and, and we already look dumb. Humility says, well, well where do I get that from? If you look at uh, Philippians chapter 2, It's a passage of Scripture that's often uh, taught in terms of theology, what we understand about Jesus. Jesus, fully God, becomes flesh, lived as a uh, fully God, fully human, and gave His life on our behalf. That that there could be the, the gap between God and us, that separation, Jesus would make a way that He would pay the price that we couldn't pay. But it's applied to relationships here. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found as in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I, now, I know that sounds heavy, but the point is, how far are you willing to go? You say, well, I'm in the right. Who is in the right? Jesus or us. He was, but he made the first move. And that leads to reason number four, is because God never gave up on you. And maybe for you, that's a message you're hearing for the first time, is that God has not given up on you. That your, your worst day, your worst behavior does not determine how God feels about you. I, I don't know about you, uh, if you've experienced grace, how many of you like this whole grace idea that you've received grace? Do you like that? Raise your hand. And the rest of you know you just want hell and con condemnation. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, I'm not for that one either. I love the fact that God shows grace. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that he made the first move. And so my question today is this. Remember, as I asked you to think about that person, that, that relationship, maybe even got used to it being fractured. Would you be willing to make the first move? Would you be willing to let God do that heart work in your life and in mine? That we would come together, yes, as a group of people, but it starts as an individual. And we'd say, God, I want you to do a work that only you can do. I don't want to hear stories anymore about other people being set free and having joy and having relationships put together. God, I want you to start doing that in me. And it begins with our heart. And so, what I want to do is I, I want us to end our service a little differently. Uh, to, usually we'll have communion at the end of every series. But I thought this weekend would be the time to have communion. And if you're not a church person, maybe you're like me, you weren't raised in the church uh, or anything like that, communion is a remembrance of what Jesus has done on our behalf, that he gave himself for us, that we would be, we'd find that freedom in him. And maybe you're here and you say, hey, that's not me. I am not there, but I would like to be there. And you can even take that step right now, even today. I'd like to invite you. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you that uh, you work in our lives when we open ourselves to you. God, I would pray for my friends who are here today and there's that want to. If that's you and you say, you know, there's that want to in my heart. I don't know. I don't know God the way you talk about him, but, but I'd like to have, have that forgiveness, have that freedom, have what Jesus came to do and what he offers for me. And if that's you, uh, you can take that step even right now, that you would uh, just pray something like this to God. I'm not going to have you come forward or raise your hand go to a special room afterwards. I want you to just do business with God that you would say something like this, just silently in your own heart. You say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I, I need the forgiveness that you offer. 
and, and I want to give you access to my heart and, and I want to follow you and I'm not going to hold back I don't know everything that it means but I know that life will make more sense when I'm allowing you to be the leader and the Lord of my life and that's what I'd ask you to do today and, and the Bible says that as we take that step that's a very uh, personal decision but it's not a private one and so here's what we do here to, get, to let you in a sense take that next step that's so important for your faith by going public in it in, in a way that still helps you take that step without being embarrassed or called out with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed that if, if you say hey Ben I prayed that prayer I said yes to Jesus today and, and if that's you with everyone else's eyes closed and head bowed would you just as a, as a public acknowledgement uh, would you look up at me and let your eyes meet mine I'm gonna uh, look to my right and to your left and, and I, I see I see those of you who are looking up and just as I scan the room that you would as I move to the center sections you'd say that's me that's great that's way to way to go awesome 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 and uh, all right I see you as I move to my left and you say that's my decision I want that's awesome and up in the balcony parent viewing room you'd say that's me today way to go God I just thank you for so many of my friends who are taking that step and God so we we worship you we remember what you've done on our behalf and as we celebrate community together God we we recognize that and we pray this in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook